Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode six of the Sober Grind. My name is Austin. I'm joined by the ever so amazing Pesh. Hello. How you doing, Pesher? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Today we are talking about long-term sobriety and what exactly that means. Before we jump into that, I just want to thank all of our amazing listeners so far, all the incredible feedback that we've gotten. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if this podcast was useful for you, all I ask in return is if you could um, send us some feedback or leave us a quick review on iTunes, Google Play, uh, whatever your preferred platform is. Uh, we're also on YouTube now. We have all of our podcasts in video formats. So I would love to hear your thoughts to see what we're doing right. Write a review for us, on. please. Please. <laughs> it's a big help so we can continue doing this. Support us. Grow this thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to jump in, Pej, what is long-term sobriety? What does that mean to you? And when can someone classify themselves as in long-term sobriety? Well, I mean, when I was newer in sobriety, I would hear the words long-term sobriety mm. being thrown around. And obviously, um, you go to lots of meetings and stuff, and you see a lot of people taking 10 and 20 and 30 years of sobriety. Wow. And mm. for when you're brand new, that, that just even, it doesn't sound like something it you can seems, fathom. It seems right? forever away. Right. So I was more attracted to the guy that had seven months rather than seven mm. years or mm -hmm. 70 years. Not that I've ever met anyone that had 70 years. Almost that. Incredible. But, but long-term sobriety, you know, I think it, it's up to the individual to know, you know, they say usually after the five-year mark, you're not a newcomer anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you've pretty much like stayed in sobriety for over five years, you, something's going on that's different. You, you've made a decision. This is a way of life for you. Mm -hmm. Not to say nobody ever wants to say that um, I'm going to stay sober forever because they say that when you do that, you're being you're cocky, right? Right. But it depends. You know, there's some people that um, the people that raised me in recovery and sobriety, the, the old timers for better sake words or long timers, they would say um, they would say I do this thing one day at a time for the rest of my life. And that was like, that. that within itself is one almost, day it almost one day at a time for the rest of my life. So it sounded to me like, like they're here to stay, right? Yeah. So long-term sobriety can, it can be uh, determined by the individual themselves. Uh, how long have you been sober? Have you been doing this? Has this become a new way of life for you that you're comfortable in? Is emotional sobriety treating you well? Are you on your way out or are you staying in, you know? So mm -hmm. long-term sobriety, I, I believe, could be anywhere from five to ten years. That's awesome. And up. Gotcha. Yeah. So what are some, uh, if there are, like, common ways that prevent people to getting to that landmark? Things that prevent people from getting to that landmark. So I think a lot of people, um, well, obviously, not just everybody decides that they want to get sober. Some people mm. get thrown into treatment. Some sure. people um, lose the wife. They, they come in on the wife card to certain meetings. They yeah. want to make the, the courts happy, the judges happy, the attorneys happy. So so, so some people, it, it, I think it all depends on the level of desperation within the individual that's coming to get treatment. Um, how long will they probably stay after or what might happen for them in the recovery that, that will keep them here longer? So for me, I mean, I, I was absolutely licked. I mean, I, I had nothing going for me. I was homeless. I, mm. I uh, you know, I, nothing else seemed to be working for me. So what happened for me, I, you know, I kind of just clicked with recovery in a, in a sense where I thought, like, this has got to be a different way of life. What I see often is a lot of people will come and they have a goal. 
and mm. and sometimes sometimes people around them might say you you might want to you know stick around at least try one year and then mm -hmm. you can you can figure it out now depending on the person's recovery and how they are going about sobriety in that one year's time by the time they get to the one year mark they might actually think oh i like this mm -hmm. like i, I think i want to keep living this way yeah. some people Relapse on the day of their one year. Really? Oh, yeah. It happens often. Yeah. Okay. So that um, that's a, a great segue. So are there a lot of common, uh, like, walls, so to speak, in, in recovery? Maybe one year or maybe a certain... It depends. You know, what, you know what's like, your opinion? I see relapse can happen amongst anybody in recovery. Mm -hmm. I've seen it for people that have up to 20 years, 30 wow. years. I've seen it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Um, Often, depending on where you get sober, like what environment you get sober, and if you if you're a twelve step community type of person, mm -hmm. um, if you if you stick with the twelve step community and you make meetings your regular thing, and you're actually working with others, then there's a greater chance of you being you know more connected and staying connected because that's your support, mm. that's your group of people that that when you don't show up, they start checking on you, like something may happen. Other things, barriers, walls, whatever you want to call it, um, often people's lives come back together and they forget where they came from. So let's say um, they had been losing everything in life, the car, the wife, the house, the kids, everything. Um, they, they were facing jail time, for instance. But they come in, they get sober, they start, you know, doing better for themselves in lives in their lives and they get everything like back the car the house the wives all the different tangible things yeah and then they suddenly think well you know I, i'm a little busy life's a little busy i don't need to go to meetings right now i don't need to do this right now or I, you know i want to go to the gym or they make other things more important so those become like their walls from actually gotcha. staying centered and focused on you know working on long-term sobriety mm -hmm. so what are some common ways that people relapse well, like triggers or triggers, mm. um, often, you know, it depends, you know, there's, there's different people. You have such a large variety of people that, that come into recovery. You know, you have mm. the, the manic depressant, you have the, mm -hmm. the anxiety ridden, uh, alcoholic or addict. You have the, uh, person who, who's not quite sure if they're really an addict or an alcoholic they haven't really gotten to that uh, they've lost everything they've burned their whole life to the ground but they're still contemplating if they're really addicted to crack cocaine or if they're really an alcoholic even though they you know mm -hmm. have no less than you know 10 drinks at the bar or whatever um so so when you have people that um come into recovery and they're here for a while they often forget what happened so the triggers that could happen is they might go to slippery places yeah. they might start going to nightclubs right mm -hmm. so we do say in recovery that if you're spiritually fit you can go places where alcohol is being served and you'll be all right i myself have gone to many clubs and bars I'm sure that's hard though it you know at or first it can be it, may it be can be first. hard depending because mm. i remember um when I was newly sober, I remember mm -hmm. sitting with my mom in a restaurant. We were going to have lunch at the Daily Grill, and we're, we're sitting down, we're eating, and there was this lady dr drinking a glass of champagne and just nursing that thing. Like I was mm -hmm. just, and here I'm sitting across the like the restaurant, just watching this lady. I'm fixated on her drinking that drink, thinking like, well, why can't I just drink? Like, yeah. what's the big deal? So already my brain is playing games with me. Now, if I'd have gone on that thought and made it turn it into a craving and then turn the craving into an action, then before you know it, I might just, you know, suddenly say, forget all this sobriety stuff. I can drink and go have a drink. I, I 
basically the trigger became more than <laughs> than just a trigger. You know, it actually yeah. became something that I took into effect and thought I was more than and I was above it and that's not my problem. I'm not doing meth. I'm just going to go do that. People put themselves in situations, hanging out with old friends. That's, mm. you know, friends yeah, that you used one. to use and drink with. Mm. You see all them having fun and then you you know you hang out with them enough like they say uh, you hang out in a barbershop long enough you're going to get a haircut not in my case of course but um, but truly you know there's all kinds of different triggers also hardships in life yeah. you may be losing something you may be going through breakups a lot of the times they say finance and romance are the things that take people out um, you may uh, have lost the love of your life so you thought and, and then what's the next best thing to numb out is an addict alcoholic who doesn't really have strong recovery and can't overcome like those times may actually go and drink to just numb the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So what is, what's your opinion uh, on this? So um, say a, um, a, a normie or whatever you'd like to call him, uh, maybe ha- likes to have a, a drink with dinner or can go to a bar and have one, maybe two drinks. Um, for someone that, uh, just using the example of alcohol, mm-hmm. someone that's taken it too far, that's classified as, as an, um, an alcoholic, mm-hmm. gone through the recovery process, is, is there any room to have just one drink or because that they've gone so far, that one drink is too much of a slippery slope and they have to, um, to remain in their sobriety, uh, drink nothing. What? What, what's your opinion on just having a drink? I believe that a person that's in recovery, mm-hmm. be it an addict, an alcoholic, uh, should never forget, uh, were they able to ever just have one? That's you, a good point. Yeah. Y- usually, no. Mm. That is what, that's, that's what distinguishes the normie from the addict alcoholic is that gotcha. a normie may have a glass of Chablis or two and mm. start to feel tipsy and say, I'm done, I'm finished, uh, no thank you, no more, I, I have to drive home tonight. As for the addict alcoholic, one or two glasses of whatever you're drinking, mm. you have just begun. It's never enough. Because the disease gets unleashed, yeah. you know, the, the 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 mental obsession, you know, starts to flow and then the allergy breaks out and the next mm. thing you know, you're just out, like, mm-hmm. you want more and more and more. You can, one is never uh, enough, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so or as you, they say, I'm sorry, as they say, one is too many, a thousand is never enough. <laughs> I love that. Thing. It's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. So, do you, what's the role of um, of a support group? Do you think it's uh, it's necessary in recovery? Mm-hmm. And what would you advise to someone that maybe they don't have anyone that they can trust or don't have a support community? Well, you know, a lot of addicts, alcoholics, and I heard this just last week, and I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of addicts, alcoholics say that they suffer from loneliness, mm-hmm. but they but they're so amazing at isolating themselves right so so Mm. it's kind of like yeah it kind of contradicts itself it's like you hate being alone yet you will make sure that you're alone and not connecting a lot of people that come into recovery i see this quite often is that they um they like to be in their comfort zone Mm. sometimes their comfort zone consists of them just being alone some people are just loners they like to be by themselves they do not connect with people Mm. um what what i loved about recovery was that I got to come and people got to connect with me and make me feel loved and cared about to the point where then I wanted to reconnect with them and others. In other words, I got so comfortable in my own skin from the love I was receiving from people that I, I wanted to kind of transmit that to other people too. So 
I think it's it's vital. It's of great importance that uh, when you're in recovery, you it's best to connect with people. And the best thing to do is if you really want to stay sober, like if you if you've actually come to terms with the fact that you can't drink and use like a gentleman or a gentlewoman, you want to actually connect with people and see how the people who do have long-term sobriety, anything over two, five, ten years, how did they do it? Why did mm. they do it? Why are they staying sober? And these should become your new friends. I mean, because if you, if you keep on going back and hanging out with the old school friends, yeah, they don't they, they don't the care habits. about you. You're not yeah. you have nothing that's of their best interest other than the fact that you are a good using and drinking buddy for them. That's mm. it, right? They never care about you. If you get in trouble and go to jail, they're not going to come visit you. They need somebody to go and use and drink with. As for in recovery, whatever you got going on, there's always somebody around that you know. If if you're connected in that kind of, kind of community, if you go to the twelve step meetings. There's a lot of love and care and nurturing there, and people will always put their hand out to you. You can make friends. When you have those friends, the best thing to do is to keep each other accountable. In other mm. words, check in with each other every day. See how one is doing. If that one is depressed, you can talk to them. If you're depressed, they can talk you off the ledge, whatever that is. But regardless of the fact, you have people that you can turn to, and you know that it'll definitely keep you sticking around when you're connected to a, a good, solid, sober social support group. I love it. Um, that that reminds me, um, tying back to what you said in a previous episode about your uh, your text group, I believe, Sober Brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, just creating a little uh, gratitude um, group. Gratitude. Gratitude, yeah. saying thankful and yeah, texting each other, stay yeah. on point. That's awesome, Pesh. That's uh, all the questions that I had on this topic. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would just, you know, like to reiterate and, and tell everybody, please uh, continue to listen to our podcast. Please. Also, we have the Ask an Addiction Specialist Facebook page. Yes. Check us out on there, as mm-hmm. well as our Beginnings Treatment Facebook page. Uh, you know, you can always ask questions on the Ask an Addiction Specialist page. If you ever have anything you're wondering about with a family member, yourself, whatever that's related to alcoholism or addiction, we always have professionals that are always talking on there. As far as the Sober Grand goes, please, 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 please give us your reviews. Tell us where we're coming short or tell us what you like or tell us what we need to improve or what we need to not improve or whatever. (laughs) Tell me about my hair, about my eyebrows. Tell us about how much of a hunk this young man is next to me. You're too kind. (laughs) And hope to see you guys all next week. Thanks. Thank you all so much.